Hi, church. Welcome to Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind. That's our, our new Sunday night study, knowing how the life of God gets inside. We'll be in this for a little while. The title for tonight's study is this. Be very careful you don't stop thinking like a Christian while you go to church and read your Bible. I have an interesting text, Mark chapter 8. Verses 14 to 21. Get a Bible and uh, keep the Sunday night study habit alive. Let's look at this passage together, okay? Mark 8, 14. Now they, that's the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. So they're in the boat with Jesus. 15. And he, that's Jesus, and he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Interesting. 16. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? We're talking about the renewing of the mind. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? 18. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? 19. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. 20. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? It's a a really strange passage on first reading. The disciples, they get into the boat, and someone brings it to their attention that they're about to launch on a fairly long, tedious journey without any lunch, without any bread for lunch. And so they're They're already worried about this. When they hear Jesus say something about leaven in verse 16, and because they're already thinking about bread and the fact that they don't have any bread, they assume when Jesus uses that word leaven that that's what Jesus is talking about, the bread that they need. It seems like uh, a fairly simple, just a conversational miscue. And a simple, you know, Jesus could just say, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Should have been sufficient. The striking thing in the passage is, is it doesn't get that kind of response from Jesus. He doesn't think that that's enough of a response. He seems really burdened by the disciples talk about bread. I mean, you can almost hear the passion in his voice. He he launches into this sermonic kind of thing, talking about their blind eyes and their deaf ears and their hard hearts and their dense minds. And yes, yes, Jesus specifically mentions all those things that I just listed in responding to their simple discussion about bread. What's going on here? One. Point number one, when possible, when you get a passage that you read and you think, 
This seems really tricky to sort out. When possible, look carefully at parallel passages for additional details that give a context to passages that seem difficult on their own. So, for example, we read Mark. Let's go to Matthew. Some additional facets of Jesus' response to the Pharisees, to the disciples, rather, in the boat. Matthew 16, 1 to 4. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, that's Jesus, he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. Jesus says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. I want to I bring these two accounts together. Mark tells us Jesus was visibly concerned with the disciples' fuss over bread because it was distracting them from Jesus' primary concern. His concern was about their thinking, the way they would use their minds as his disciples. Do do you have eyes and you don't see? Do you have ears and you don't hear? Do you not yet understand or perceive? So he's talking about the way they, they perceive things, understand things. Put the whole account together. Very shortly after feeding 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread and a few fish, Matthew says, the religious leaders, they come up to Jesus with the request that he please confirm his messianic identity for them by performing some sign, some miracle that would give them proof so that they could put their trust in him. Now, Mark's account, as is typically the case with Mark, it's very brief. Mark 8, 11 and 12, the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he, Jesus, sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, I say to you, No sign will be given to this generation. So the religious leaders, they really aren't very sincere in their request. Mark says says they're here to test Jesus, to argue with Jesus. They, They appear as though they're sincere seekers of truth and all they're lacking, they'd put their trust in Jesus if they just had some sign, some miracle, some proof that he really was who he said he was. But Jesus says they have no such desire. This is a game they're playing. They're not interested in following Jesus, even if they knew who he was. There's a problem. They don't want to appear opposed to Jesus because everyone else admires Jesus so much. The religious leaders 
want to appear like they're hungry seekers of truth, and they just need a little bit of evidence from Jesus, and they'll follow him. They're, they're using their minds. Here's the point. They're using their minds to craft a non-response to the truth they already know about Jesus. They're, they're cleverly dodging Jesus without looking like they don't want to honor him. So no, Jesus says there will be no signs given to the Pharisees. Jesus isn't going to play. And that's about all Mark gives us prior to Jesus' lengthy instruction to his disciples in the boat. They fit together. Now let's add Matthew's account into the mix, okay? Matthew 16, 1 to 4. The Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. And he answered them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, you say, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. Jesus says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. I'm standing here right in front of you people. Then he says, verse 4 of Matthew 16, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Two words, evil and adulterous. They're both important. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah, his death, resurrection. So, He left them and departed. Now, we're going to look specifically into the mind, the thinking of the Pharisees in just a minute, because it really takes a whole point of study all by itself. But just reading these words, it helps us to see what what launches Jesus into such a passionate response just to his disciples in the boat. And they're thinking about bread. His reproof to the disciples has nothing to do with their forgetting bread. Look again. Look again at our text in Mark 18, Mark 8, sorry, 17 and 18. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive the mind, renewing the mind? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? It seems like such a big response from Jesus to such a little discussion about forgetting bread. It's important to notice that Jesus is the first one to speak on the boat. Now, as far as we know from the text, our Mark text, as far as we know, the first words spoken on the boat on this whole subject weren't uttered by the disciples. Mark tells us they were worried about forgetting bread in verse 14, but we're not told they spoke anything about this out loud. The first spoken words are from Jesus. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Jesus starts the conversation. So so what that means is Jesus initiates this discussion. He saw something just a while back. We looked at it. 
he saw something in his confrontation with the Pharisees where they come and ask him for a sign. He saw something in his confrontation with the Pharisees that he, he's still thinking about on the boat. He can't get it off his mind. He's still thinking of how these religious thinkers, these Pharisees, he's still thinking about how they responded to him. I mean, Jesus knows there was no shortage of proof who he was. Miracles abounded. The Pharisees saw all the miracles. But something happened in his dialogue with the Pharisees when they came asking him for a sign. Something happened that concerned Jesus so deeply that even now, on the boat with his disciples, he can't get that conversation with the Pharisees off his mind. It's still bugging Jesus. Now, here's the significance of our story with Jesus and the disciples in the boat. The fact that he cautioned his disciples about the Pharisees and what just happened before they got into the boat. The fact that he is, he raises, he initiates this discussion with the disciples. It it shows that he knew this same kind of thinking. This using the mind to avoid spiritual truth it would be tempting to his disciples as well. It's possible for me. It's possible for all of you watching this this, uh, YouTube sermon. The fact that he cautioned his disciples means that this misuse of the mind, this blindness, deafness, lack of perception... It's a danger to everybody, and Jesus raises the issue with his disciples. Now, both Matthew and Mark, they record Jesus sounding the alarm with slightly different words. Here's how Jesus starts the conversation on the boat. In Matthew 16.6, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven, and he uses that word, and that's why the disciples think, oh, he must be talking about bread. Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Here's how Jesus starts the conversation with his disciples in Mark 8, 15. And he cautioned them. This is how Jesus starts the conversation. Watch out. Watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So so as Jesus starts this discussion with his disciples in the boat, thinking about his encounter with the Pharisees just before... What are the disciples to watch out for? What did Jesus see in his encounter with the Pharisees that caused him such concern even for his disciples in the boat? How does it relate to our subject tonight in this series, Renewed in the Spirit of Your Mind? Now, to answer some of these questions, we're going to look carefully at Matthew's expanded account of this conversation. So point number two. Jesus had just witnessed how how painfully easy it was for religious people, thinking of the Pharisees, to use their minds, their religious minds, against spiritual growth rather than in favor of it. So let's linger over this 
dreadful process of the mind in Matthew's account of Jesus and the Pharisees. Again, it's in 16, Matthew 16, 1 to 4. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. So they're making like they would follow Jesus. Just give us some evidence and we'll follow you as Messiah. Jesus answers them. Verse 2 of Matthew 16. When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, you say it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. Jesus says, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. Jesus standing right in front of them. And then these words, verse 4 of Matthew 16. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Three days, three nights, resurrection. So he left them. It's a pretty abrupt ending. These religious leaders, Jesus, he just walks away. He left them and departed. It's, it's really an abrupt ending, isn't it, to the conversation. Jesus is the one who ends it. So he left them. They didn't walk away from Jesus. Jesus walked away from them, verse 4. He he saw something in these words from the Pharisees that so frustrated him. He says, in effect, you've seen people do this. Jesus said, this conversation's over. I'm done with you people. Yeah, that's what Jesus says. I can't deal with you anymore. Walks away. So they don't get the sign they're asking for. But rather than just ignoring their request, that would be easy to do. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just say no to their request. He says something else first. Instead of just denying their request for a sign, he exposes the reason for their dark hearts before he walks away. And he says, you guys aren't being honest. That's what he says. And Jesus always requires honesty. They're pretending all they lack is evidence. When they're not lacking evidence, they don't want to follow Jesus. They want to appear like they want to follow Jesus. Just give us some sign, Jesus, please. But they don't really want to follow Jesus. They're crafty. Jesus can't stand craftiness. So Jesus wants to reveal the wicked way these religious experts, the wicked way they're thinking, the wicked way they are using their minds to calculate against transformation. Look at what Jesus says to them in those first three verses of Matthew 16. He answered them, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you know how to interpret the sky, but you can't interpret the signs of the times. So, so what Jesus is doing here before he walks away from them, before that and before he gets into the boat with his disciples, He's talking about the way these religious leaders 
think. Renewed in the spirit of your mind is this series. He's talking about the way these religious people think. He points out the way they can make good deductions in ordinary life. They can look up in the sky at night and it's red. and Oh, they say it's going to be a great day for planting and harvesting tomorrow. Or they look up at the same sky in the morning and they say, Oh, the sky's red, stormy day, not a good day to get out into the boat. So, so they use their minds to make careful, intelligent plans. They can organize their real lives around these logical observations. Their minds serve them just fine when it's working in the physical, material realm. They're able to do what they should do because they can use their minds correctly in terms of the things around them. I I know this is obvious, but it's crucial to understand Jesus' passionate concern and his words of caution later on to his disciples. Jesus is saying, there's nothing wrong with the brains of these Pharisees. Their heads work just fine. They can observe, they can clarify, they can plan, they can see the process, and they can use logic accurately. But while they do this all the time in the world in which they live, they don't see the Son of God standing two feet from them. These same people who observe and plan out responses, intelligent, appropriate, healthy, bright responses, they do it all the time. They make self-destructive decisions regarding divine truth about Jesus. Please see this. It's what Jesus is wanting to talk about with his disciples in the boat, and he has to get them ready for it. Materially, there are people who can help themselves with their minds and spiritually destroy themselves with the same minds. Now, back into the boat, Jesus and the disciples. The Pharisees aren't around anymore. Jesus is just with his disciples. He's still thinking about that conversation with the Pharisees that upset him so much. So because he's now alone, he's in the boat with just his disciples, he can spill his heart with what's troubling him. Now, get this picture, okay? Jesus is now in the boat talking with his disciples. These are his closest followers on the planet at this time. Okay, get that. Probably with tears in his eyes, we don't know, he raises his voice and he pleads with them. Never, never, never let this happen in your minds, what I just witnessed with the Pharisees. That's what Jesus is doing here. Don't start down that road even in a tiny momentary lapse. This kind of thinking, he called it the leaven of the Pharisees. This kind of thinking is is so infectious. It's so common. It's so deadly. And it's possible for you disciples to get like this. That's what's happening in the boat. Jesus is talking to Don Horbin. He's talking to Cedarview. And there's one more question we need to deal with if we're going to wrap this up properly. 
If these religious leaders, the Pharisees, if they were using their minds so ineptly for spiritual purposes, what caused, what caused this dishonesty, this blindness? How did the Pharisees end up like this? And what is Jesus warning his disciples about? And you and me, what's he warning us about? How can we avoid being like those blind Pharisees? That's point number three. The reason these leaders use their minds to calculate against Jesus was their previous adulterous commitments. That's, I'm using that word because it's the one Jesus uses. He's very specific. Matthew 16, 4, as he talks to the Pharisees, he says, an evil and adulterous generation. Do you see it? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Show us a sign, Jesus. But no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them, the Pharisees, and departed. It's a very, we're almost done now. It's a very direct and a very descriptive charge that Jesus brings against these Pharisees. They were Evil, to be sure, he uses that word, but it's a specific kind of evil that Jesus is addressing. They were, to use Jesus' specific word, they were adulterous. That's the kind of evil Jesus is talking about, adulterous. And that that one word, adulterous, it tells us why they used their brilliant minds so poorly when it came to spiritual truth. Adulterous, think about it. They could use their mind sharply and properly. Jesus said when they looked up in the sky to calculate earthly interests, they could use their minds brilliantly. They could calculate the weather for their fishing and their farming and their income, but but they couldn't use their minds effectively when it came to the rule of Jesus Christ because they were adulterous. What he means is they loved their own agendas more than faithfully adulterous, faithfully following Jesus. So they were ruled by other interests. And those other pursuits were called adulterous by Jesus because they had taken the place of what should have been their primary allegiance to the Messiah. That's what adultery is, isn't it? For all their religious routines, their hearts were already committed to something else that they weren't supposed to be committed to. And that meant they used their minds in favor of another mistress rather than Jesus Christ. That's what adulteress means. Their minds weren't stupid. Their minds were unfaithful. They couldn't use their minds, listen, these Pharisees, they couldn't use their minds to reach Jesus for the same reason an adulterer can't find a faithful relationship with his wife. Or maybe to use a different picture. They couldn't reach Jesus with their minds for the same reasons a bank robber can't reach the police. He's not interested in reaching the police. 
Rebellion affects the way you allow your mind to be confronted by the lordship of Jesus. They were unfaithful. They were adulterous. They had committed to something else previously, but they wanted to look like they were interested in Jesus. Just show us a sign, Jesus. We'd love to follow you. They had no interest. They were already committed to another, adulterous. And so, so, in the boat, Pharisees aren't even in hearing distance. He's not talking to the Pharisees at all now. In the boat with his disciples, Matthew 16, 6, to the disciples, Jesus said, watch, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. This spiritual adultery, Jesus says, to his closest followers, this spiritual adultery isn't impossible for you. Watch how you scheme. Watch how you calculate. Watch how you sometimes dodge my authority. Adulterous thinking is like yeast, the leaven of the fair. Adulterous thinking is like yeast. It, it gets in in all sorts of little ways, and it's infectious, and it can be habit-forming. Of course it is. How else can you explain? Think about it. This is such a relevant text. How else can you explain what happens over and over again? Here's a person brilliant enough to sell insurance, buy real estate, calculate income tax, build furniture, but tell him he's not been faithful in getting out to church very much lately, and he he just can't figure out how to fix that. Or go back, go back a few years. An American president can draw up and sign peace treaties between nations, can get $200,000 for a speaking engagement, but can't remember what the word is means. Yeah. That kind of mental adultery, Jesus talks to his disciples and he says, it's very close to us. It's very close to us. Don't be conformed, Romans 12 to the world around you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, point number four, we're almost finished. This is how spiritual failure becomes spiritual bondage. Those two aren't the same thing. Failure, bondage. I think what we all rejoice in is that God has grace greater than all our sins. That's what I rejoice in. But there's something more deadly than just the sins we fall into. As bad as that is, there's something worse. Spiritual bondage, spiritual bondage, not just failure, bondage. It begins the moment I use my uh, mental agility to become crafty against just humble repentance and devotion to Jesus. When I put a mental spin on my failure, then it becomes bondage. The lights start to go out in my soul. Just just compare sin and craftiness in the gospel accounts. You'll never find, for example... Jesus avoiding sinners. He was actually dubbed a friend of sinners, and we should probably praise God for that because we're included there. 
prostitutes, thieves, crooked tax collectors, liars. Jesus had grace for repentant sinners. But notice how he shunned those who want to use their mental wits to craft a dodge around their sins. Our text is a great example. The Pharisees, eh? They don't want to follow Jesus, but they want to look like they want to follow Jesus. Jesus, if you would just please show us a sign. Oh, boy, we'd love to follow you, and our, our hearts are there, Jesus. Just give us some evidence. They had piles of evidence. And that, those are the ones Jesus says, we're done. We're done. We're not talking anymore. According to Jesus' words to his disciples in the boat, I, I never move past being on the lookout for the leaven of the Pharisees, the crafty mind that just calculates a non-response when Jesus speaks by his spirit and his word to my heart. That's not what the creator gave me a mind for. I want to use it to discover his glory and joy and never to harden my heart in any way with the leaven of the Pharisees. It's a great text. There's a lot in it. Let's keep our hearts and minds constantly uncrafty when it comes to using them to follow Jesus. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, how the life of God gets inside. We'll be more weeks on this great study, this great subject. Let's pray. These are big truths that we're studying, complex. Help us as we review them and go over them. Maybe watch this again. That, Lord, you'll, you'll be able to use your word to free up our hearts of the leaven of the Pharisees that will humbly, honestly, obediently honor you on the inside of our minds. That's what you gave us minds for, to be transformed. Bless the truth of your word to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right here in this room, good crowd gathers. There's children's ministries, study notes. It's a great time to be together again, and we'll study the book of Judges wrapping up in a couple of weeks. God bless the church. Oh, and our Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve, great community service here at the church, 4 o'clock, 6.30 on Christmas Eve. Registration, get on the site and register. It'll fill up quick. Love one another, church. God bless.